Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Met Spectro through the multiverse! Welcome to another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime animation fan. And as always, this is the podcast that talks comic book-based animation. Merry Christmas. Welcome to episode 81, and welcome to our month-long Christmas celebration. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. I'm going to briefly explain the rules, and we're going to get right down into the season's greetings, the chestnuts, the eggnog, you name it. Rule number one, comic book animation. Enough said. Rule number two, big fan of the old team-up books. DC Comics presents Marvel Team-Up. So this is a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest talking comic book animation. And rule number three, most important, we got to have fun. All right, we're going to bring up my guest, filled with holly and jolly and Christmas cheer, my niece. Welcome back to the multiverse, Delaney. Hey, hi, it's me. I'm the guest. But for now, you can just call me Lonnie Mistletoe. All right, that works for me. Welcome welcome to our uh, journey into the Christmasverse, as some people say. You know, I'm I'm not sure if this episode counts because I don't think anything in this episode had anything to do with any comic book. Well. Like not not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh Beast Boy was in it. Well, that's not that's not that's ju- you're jumping ahead a little bit and there's certainly room for interpretation. As I ask everyone, can you narrow down a favorite Christmas film or Christmas special? Mm, there are a lot of them. Um, I do I do like uh what what's like the classic Peanuts one where they they have the little tree that Charlie Brown gets? Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown! Charlie Brown Christmas. I apologize. Yeah, there's been there's been multiple Peanuts ones, so I'm not sure. Um, those like stop motion classic Rake and Bass stuff. I also really like those, like Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Um, not not sure if I have a favorite, but those are some good ones. All right, for me, uh, Christmas Vacation is still my all time favorite. Uh. Halloween <laughs> holiday film, but I like plenty of the things that you mentioned. Anyone uh, notice a little background noise? As always, tradition Christmas, I've got a uh, half of a guest as well. My son, Axel, adding his input into the Christmas topic. As you can tell, he's about as coherent as I am, so he, uh, he learned his language skills from us. Like I said, Christmas, episode 81, and the topic, as you touched upon already, Teen Titans Go. Now, my stepsons are both in high school now, but when they were younger, they really enjoyed Teen Titans Go. Are you too old for to have had that as part of your childhood? Um, I have seen one episode of Teen Titans Go before yesterday. I mean, I watched a ton of the like 2003 original Teen Titans. I think I've seen almost every episode of that one. 
Yeah, I caught like one episode of Teen Titans Go, I think, on TV, and uh, I didn't really understand it, and this is not clearing anything up. <laughs> All right, well, this is, usually we get into a lot more history. We're, we're not going to do that as much, because not only are we here to celebrate Christmas, but I've talked about the Teen Titans. We'll have a, a little bit of a back history for anyone unfamiliar. Back in the 60s, they uh, took all the uh, DC superhero sidekicks, put them in one big team, Robin, Aqualad, Speedy, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash. Uh, had some uh, popularity for a brief period in the 60s, where uh, a lot of the teen superheroes were actually kind of popular. Spider-Man, some say the Human Torch. Then they kind of went away in the early 70s when a lot of things DC hadn't, hadn't developed. And then back in 1980, Marv Wolfman and the late great George Perez did the all-new Teen Titans, and pretty much been there, been a cornerstone of DC Comics and one of the most popular superhero groups of all time. In fact, was giving the Uncanny X-Men a run for their money in the early 80s in popularity, believe it or not. Then, we switch over to the early 2000s, where Cartoon Network did the aforementioned by my uh, guest host, oh, what was it, uh, Lady Mistletoe, was that a... Am I getting that right? I said Lonnie Mistletoe, but it's it's flexible. <laughs> they had the Teen Titans cartoon, which was at a popularity, ran for about three years, uh, went off the air. Then in uh, 2013, really strangely, I can't think of anything like this happening, Teen Titans Go came, which had the same network, the same studio, the same five characters, and the same voice actors all coming back but to do a different version of the same cartoon, and we got Teen Titans Go. I think the fact that all the same voice actors came back is the weirdest part, because, like, ten years after the show you were on, which has been off the air, they decide they're going to sort of sideways revive it, completely different art style, tone, pretty much different continuity, but you're voicing the same character. Yeah, it's it's nothing I, I've ever heard of is, uh, has ever happened quite like this before. They've had people come back and do voice actors and even different versions, like Frank Welker's a classic example, multiple versions of Scooby-Doo, where they've almost like restarted the continuity. He's still been Fred in almost every version. But to bring them all back, kind of weird. And this one was uh, deemed more to younger audience, a little bit more mature. It's been heavily criticized by a lot of people. For being so stupid and juvenile, which I feel some of them are kind of missing the point a little bit. No, you, you say for a younger audience, I want to know who this show is for. Because there's like, again, I don't watch it. I've only seen a little. Before I could tell, they throw in like a ton of weird, obscure DC references and do like metatextual commentary on fandom and go to some weird, dark places. And I'm just like... Who who is the target audience for this? Yeah, that's also the... It's been criticized by fans of the first Titan show saying that it's trolling them. That's why they don't like it as well. But a lot of the humor is very juvenile in a younger audience. And while well, approved of my own stepsons, when they were in grade school, they loved the, They both loved this cartoon. Um, not so much now. Um, but yes, they have been... There's, there's flowing with DC continuity. Many characters... From different DC properties show up, as well as uh, classic Teen Titans members like Kid Flash, Aqualad show up, Bumblebee, for God's sake, shows up in Teen Titans Go. There's a character that's barely been used since the 70s ended, plus a lot of meta humor and jabs at both fandoms and their own their own comic company. It's uh, 
it's an interesting, uh, interesting to say the least. But can't argue with success. It is now the longest running DC Studios animated series of all time. It surpassed the original cartoon. Like original Teen Titans was five seasons, I think one movie. This is up to like seven or eight seasons, at, at least two movies. I think they've done three. They've done one theatrical film, and then I believe either like TV movies or directed DVD movies. Like they crossed over with the Titans. They, I think they just did a crossover with that. What's that League of Supergirls or whatever? There's that other DC cartoon that, uh, and they did the actual theatrical Teen Titans go to the movies as well. I think they also did a team up with the Powerpuff Girls reboot. That sounds like something that happened. <laughs> that sounds likely. And they're still going. There is a new season that is in for, I believe, pre-production. So uh, still going strong. Still just as popular as ever. I don't know. I don't know what what's the explanation for it. I don't know if it's the... It can't be the superhero boom because there's other superhero cartoons that aren't as popular. It can't be the popularity of these characters because outside of Robin, not a lot of people know most of these characters so it's kind of an enigma i I really couldn't tell you couldn't put my finger on why this show is so popular Uh, a little bit of background it uh was uh developed by uh, michael jelinek and aaron harvath warner brothers animation plus dc studios and the uh animation outsourced to copernicus entertainment and bordell entertainment or maybe it's bardell i'm not sure how you say it fascinating thing as well is uh which doesn't happen a lot in voiceover work. Uh, before COVID, all five of the main cast, they did all their voice recordings in a room together. Like, they recorded it all, like, in the same room, which is how The Simpsons used to do it. I don't know if they still do now, but typically a lot of everyone records their parts individually. But uh, they had said that uh, part of the show's success in chemistry was them all reading together, bouncing ideas off each other. That's kind of nice. It'd probably fun to do a show like that. We're going to get into the lineup quickly and then we're going to get into the particular christmas episode of teen titans go a little bit of credit credit is due robin and this is the dick grayson version of rock and robin i believe there's an episode where i think i almost called him rock and robin there but uh, <laughs> i believe there's an episode where all the robins actually show up at one point but this is the dick grayson version of robin more like rocking around the christmas tree robin am i right i, I like it uh, he was created by Bob Kane, Bill Finger, Jerry Robinson, one of the uh, oldest uh, superhero characters of all time. Uh, he is voiced by uh, Scott Menville. Uh, he's done some live action. Most of his stuff is in uh, voice acting. He's uh, been working since the 80s. His uh, first voice role ever was in Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer back in 1985. I think I've heard that before. But uh, he's done plenty of work over the years, as well as this. Uh, he was uh, He's done additional voices in uh, Despicable Me, Scooby-Doo Camp Scare, Paranorman, DC Comics Superhero Justice League, as well as uh, he did some voices in The Secret Life of Pets 2, SpongeBob SquarePants. So uh, he has uh, done quite a lot. Only the highest of cinema. <laughs> exactly. Beast Boy, who... Spoiler alert, you had mentioned pretty much the star of this episode. Uh, he was created by uh, Arnold Drake and uh, Bob Brown. He's voiced by, uh, I'm not sure how you say his name, Greg Sipes, I believe is the voice. Uh, he's been doing it quite some time because he's done him on Young Justice and the Teen Titans show as well. And uh, he's done plenty of other stuff. He's Iron Fist in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, he was also, he's been in 
I'm not sure who he is, but Ben 10 is another uh, cartoon he works on prominently. I think he plays Kevin in that show. Don't quote me. You could be right. Now, the remaining cast were all created by the legendary Marv Wolfman and the late great George Perez, Raven, Starfire, and Cyborg. Raven, voiced by the great Tara Strong. The queen of voice actors. Probably the most prominent female voice actor, maybe of all time. Uh, she's uh, Dill Pickles on Rugrats. Uh, Timmy Turner on Fairly Odd Parents. Uh, she's been on Rick and Morty, Family Guy. She's, uh, she's pretty much done it all in the world of animation. Cyborg. Now, Cyborg, I'd argue, other than Robin, the only other character that has any mainstream notoriety that people know about. Uh, Kari Payton does his voice. He is an actor as well as voice acting. Uh, he's King Ezekiel on The Walking Dead. Uh, he was also on uh, General Hospital. But he had also voiced Cyborg in Young Justice and uh, The Teen Titans. Uh, he'd also been on The Pride Family. What's New Scooby-Doo? He's done voices on Ben 10. Legion of Superheroes. Friday, the animated series. He's done quite a bit. I believe he's... Uh, Aqualad on Young Justice. Yes, yes. As well as he does the voice of Black Manta and Black Lightning. So, again, another prominent voice actor. And we have Starfire, voiced by Hayden Walsh. She's been working quite a while, uh, since the late 90s. She's voiced in uh, the Wild Thornberries movie. She's voices in Tangled. A lot of the other DC projects, such as DC Superhero Girls. She was on the Scooby-Doo... Lego Scooby-Doo, as well as she's been on uh, Rugrats, Static Shock, Justice League Unlimited, The Batman, Batman Brave and the Bold, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. This is only vaguely relevant, but I think it was in Justice League Unlimited or Batman Beyond, maybe both. There was this like sort of casting gag they did where the Royal Flesh Gang, the five members, have the same voice actors as the five main Teen Titans. I believe you're right, because she did the voice of Ace. And I believe Greg Sipes, who had done uh, Beast Boy, I think did the voice of Jack. So I'm going to assume that the other ones did that, and you're probably right about that. Anybody out there knows that. So Teen Titans, you said you, didn't, you watched the original show, not this cartoon. Did you read any of the comic books? I have read, like, snatches here and there, not, like, very regularly. Um, like, a couple of classic issues, a couple of the modern ones. I'm, like, I'm aware of it, but it's very uh, messy and tangled and hard to follow, like all comic continuities, really. Oh, I was a big fan of the Marvel from Perez series. The all new Teen Titans read that, well, a big chunk of that. Haven't read it much as recently. I always thought that group should get a lot of credit, because... People may disagree, but I think it's the first superhero group in history of comics where all the female characters were actually more powerful than the male characters. Raven, Wonder Girl, Starfire were definitely way more powerful than Robin, Cyborg, and Beast Boy. Oh, and Kid Flash, because he was in that group as well. So I think that's a first in uh, comic book history. You may agree or disagree. But enough about that. Let's get on to Christmas. I mean, you're full of uh, Christmas spirit, I can tell. So you're excited for this. Uh, we're not going back far. We're going back to December 8th, 2021. Teen Titans Go, a holiday story. Is that title a reference to something in particular? I don't know. I mean, I did last year, I did a different episode of Teen Titans Go as part of my Christmas month. They pretty much do a Halloween and Christmas episode every season. Sometimes a Thanksgiving as well. 
because I assume based on the title, like going in, this is going to be like a Christmas Carol parody or maybe a reference to, I don't know, is there a movie called like A Christmas Story? I'm showing my ignorance. Yeah. You're seriously asking me if there's a movie called A Christmas Story? I just said I was ignorant. You don't have to put me on yeah, blast. I already put po- myself on yeah, blast. Yeah, there's this weird thing. TBS shows this for 24 hours straight, shows this obscure movie that no one's ever heard of called A Christmas Story. I don't have cable. This was written by Brandy Klosterman, Brady Klosterman, excuse me, directed by uh, Luke Cormacon. Like I said, this is the most recent of the holiday specials they had done, December 8, 2021. So it's only been about, uh, it's been just over a year since this aired. There were so many I couldn't decide, so I just decided to go with the most recent episode. We're going to take a break, and we're going to watch Teen Titans Go! A holiday story, and we'll be right there to jingle your bells. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's the holiday season, and of all the wonderful gifts you may get this year, none will be quite like this one. Ho, ho, holy moly. We have a gift for you. It's every Teen Titans Go ever. Sounds crazy enough to work. I like it. Not just some Titans episodes. We're talking every single episode. What's up? <laughs> the fun begins on Christmas Eve on your Cartoon Network. Oh, ho, ho. We had just finished trimming the tree, and something weird was coming from the kitchen. What's a tree doing in here? Just one of the new shapes for my Christmas Crunch cereal. Captain Crunch? Christmas Crunch has six crunchy new shapes, like bikes, trains, stars. He'll never do it. Even Christmas trees. Did it. Then I add my holiday berry flavor, and you've got a crunchy, fruity part of a balanced breakfast. Mm. That's three down, only 59 million to go. Christmas crunch, a whole, whole lot of fun. Shell presents a Charlie Brown Christmas story. I'm worried, Linus. Christmas is coming, and I don't know what to get anyone. Charlie Brown, what you need is a gift everyone will like. That's it. A Charlie Brown Christmas videotape. But where do I get them, Linus? Participating shelf stations are now offering a Charlie Brown Christmas while supplies last. Only $3.99 with an 8-gallon fill-up. Get yours today. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... And we are back. We're back. And hopefully you just watched Teen Titans Go, A Holiday Story. I mean, to be fair, let's just say it should be called Beast Boy Go. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. It's the Beast Boy Holiday Story, not really a Titans one. I cannot emphasize enough that none of those characters whose voice actors he's reeled off are in this episode except one. In hindsight, being 2020, I probably would have picked a different one that featured the whole group. But, you know. I don't think the phrase Teen Titans ever gets said in this episode. So uh, Beast Boy opens up. He's uh, He's got gifts and cocoa and he's got presents for everybody. He's uh, Nothing's going to ruin his holiday cheer. He just left a store with an incredible name. Snacks, yo! Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, it fits into his whole uh, his vocabulary, so uh, it's not surprising. He's uh, he's full of uh, holiday cheer. Uh, but then you see Santa is stalking him in a, in a van, and uh, he gets away from him. But then he bumps into a very tough-looking reindeer, shall we say? So I'm not familiar with the 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 Teen Titans Go continuity, but they already know Santa, right? They've like yes, they do. <laughs> he's like their enemy, basically, because they've like bothered him in previous Christmas episodes. Yeah, they've had a lot of confrontations in early episodes. In fact, there's a reference where uh, Changeling or Changeling Beast Boy says how he's sick of uh, dealing with him every year. But, uh, Santa says, you know, call it a uh, holiday tradition. <laughs> so yes, this has happened. Uh, Lots of times where Santa's not exactly uh, as nice as uh, we've been led to believe by the songs. One like Christmas episode of the show I've heard of is like they are attacking Santa because he won't give them gifts because they've been really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In fact, they try and infiltrate the North Pole <laughs> and sneak into and like all things, even though they look exactly the same, they're wearing like elf costumes. So nobody can tell that they're not the <laughs> teen he tells him that he uh, gives him a big song and dance. He wants Beast Boy's help getting back into the holiday mob. He misses it. Which is apparently something everybody just knows about. Beast Boy is not surprised by this information. He immediately says, oh, you mean that uh, criminal mob that ran by the baby New Year? Apparently it's a thing. And uh, I, I would like to point out, they, they get Beast Boy tied to a chair. The guy who can change his shape... Into anything, pretty much. At no point thinks to, like, turn into a little worm, <laughs> get out of this. I don't think he actually shapeshifts at any point in this episode. We get the backstory of why he had a falling out, a flashback of Santa falling out with the holiday mob. We go to uh, Cuba in 1953. The Hotel Cayuba? It's spelled K-Y-U-B-A, so he doesn't... He doesn't pronounce it as a Cuba. So it's an interesting flashback where all the holiday mascots are hanging out by the pool. The Easter Bunny, the turkey, Santa, the baby New Year. I'm looking at the notes that I took down, and it does just say, horrifying baby, horrifying rabbit. Well, I mean, uh, the baby New Year is clearly supposed to be Marlon Brando from The Godfather. Uh, I'm not so sure about the... <laughs> Easter Bunny, he does have a very weird looking face. He looks like something out of a horror movie. So the, uh, right when him and Santa New Year are getting along, the, all the other mascots dragging a reindeer said they saw him sniffing around trying to sneak in. Santa says he doesn't know him. He's got a lot of weapons, including a bazooka <laughs> that says Santa Claus. That gag was amusing, where it's like, oh, that, that could be anyone's rocket launcher. And then it rolls over and has his name on it. So uh, they don't, uh, they kick him out. He said he betrayed the family and he doesn't have it. And this gets Santa very upset. He's even crying that he misses his brothers in the holiday mafia, which gets Beast Boy to agree, even though he has to dress up as an elf for some reason to make this plan work. Santa explains that the mob loves elves, so they'll trust him. Even though it's clearly just Beast Boy wearing an elf suit, so I'm not sure why they're fooled. He is still green. First, he goes to the Holiday Ho Club, which uh, there's a theme of almost everybody's in a club. In this thing. He goes in dressed as an elf, and there's uh, the Easter Bunny, New Year, and a turkey, who's clearly Thanksgiving, and his name is uh, 
Danny Mistletoe. He's the one who organ unionized the elves. Even the ones in the North Pole. Why is Thanksgiving represented by a turkey? <laughs> Should it be like a little pilgrim or something? <laughs> well, I guess, the, I mean, yeah, it is kind of weird because that means that, that he's representing something that dies <laughs> every Thanksgiving. I mean, there's there's a gag when, he, when Beast Boy first walks in, the turkey's reading a book that's like the secret truth behind Thanksgiving. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> he's probably got a YouTube channel explaining the, the myth of... <laughs> Baby New Year likes the elves. Those are his top earners. So he's more than happy to welcome in Danny uh, Mistletoe. He wants him to come back into the fold with Santa. He says, uh, first he's got to kiss the ring, which is he just takes his bibby out and <laughs> wants him to kiss that. Which gets from Beast Boy, that thing's nasty, yo. There is so much spit in this episode. Yeah, I was. <laughs> we're going to get ahead of ourselves a little bit. For some reason, the baby New Year can't do anything without drooling and spitting all over the place. Now, uh, he says that he'll let Santa back in, but a warning never to betray them again. But they got to do some uh, odd jobs first for the family, I guess, to prove their loyalty. And then George Washington walks in. <laughs> I was so baffled by this at first. Is he? ghost that's george the weasel washington as he's credited on this episode yeah there is he the spirit of president's day is he george washington is immortal or is it a ghost of george washington a little bit confusing on that one they uh they give him a ride and uh apparently he owes baby new year some money which he tries to say he has no because nobody spends money on president's day which beast boy says yo what about all those president's day sales yo they don't believe him. In fact, they uh, floss him right in the mouth. And uh, with a good bit of uh, continuity teaching kids history, uh, continuity, he has the wooden teeth that George Washington was famous for. And he's hidden a huge wad of money in them. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works exactly. That means he's either constantly walking around with a wad of bills in his mouth, <laughs> or I guess there's a secret compartment in the wooden teeth that holds the money. It's it's comedy money. But once uh, they uh, get the money out of him, they, they give him the boot. Santa, as they drive away, says, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Then we flip to the St. Patty's Milkshake Truck, which is driven by a leprechaun who who's called the very painfully generic, the Irishman. Are St. Patty Day, like, milkshakes a really common thing? I mean, I know some people do them. I didn't think they were, like, the thing to represent the holiday. Used to be a green beer, but, uh, I mean, they can't do that, I guess, on a kid's show. Other than the Shamrock Shake, which I get every year from McDonald's, I, I didn't think the <laughs> green shakes were that big of a deal. They try and distract him by Beast Boy pretending that he needs a tire change, which <laughs> the Irishman has no sympathy for. <laughs> Tells him to get that wreck off the road. I just got like a candy cane gun that he's holding him up with. <laughs> and uh, they uh, try the milkshake. She says, what, are you going to skim off the top? And he's like, we're not skimming off the top. We're taking the whole thing. Which they steal the truck. Which gets a shamrocks out of the Irishman. Now, this is where the weird part really kicks in. Because if you've ever seen the movie Goodfellas, this whole thing <laughs> is like a takeoff on Goodfellas. We've just established that I don't know movies. 
It was a gangster movie from like 1991, which is pretty in-depth into the the horrors of gangster life to a point where a lot of swearing and a lot of betrayal and murdering of other gangsters. And this is stuff that really happened in the movie. So it's an odd reference, especially from something that came out 30 years before this episode ever happened. Again, I'm not sure who this show is for. So then they uh, switch over to the Groundhog's Shadow Club, where the groundhog, they've got tied up a tree, and they ask him, they want him to, uh, they want the groundhog uh, to do an early spring. So they can get people to go on spring breaks, and the spring breakers will like give them lots of business and money? Yeah, the club will... Uh, is be the, it's in Miami, we established. And this uh, an early spring will make it the hottest club for spring breakers, yo. And a bunch of live action, presumably spring breakers, pop up behind Beast Boy as he says this. And the groundhog, he is not going to just pretend to be scared of his shadow just to make some money off some spring breakers. At this point, my notes do just say, this show is weird. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. But we find out. The groundhog is afraid of all shadows, not just his own. That, that, that was an amusing gag. That he, he's afraid of shadows, so we're going to torture him by making shadow puppets. And we are just torturing a guy in this show, to be clear. We certainly are, with the, the bunny shadow puppet, the dog. Did he do the elephant? I can't remember. Those are usually the classics, the, the bunny, the doggy, and the elephant. And finally, the groundhog acquiesces, and he will. See his shadow early, which <laughs> they leave. <laughs> Santa says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> Again, another movie reference. Do you know what? The, you must. Do you not know that one either? Probably not, no. My lord, that is from Home Alone. <laughs> another Christmas classic. But again, that came out 30 years before this episode aired. I don't think I've seen any of the Home Alone movies. Good lord. Now, I can lay off the hook for not seeing Home Sweet Home Alone, but how can you have not at least seen the original Home Alone? What do you think, Axel? Now you're not going to talk? <laughs> now he doesn't talk, lady. <laughs> when I put the mic right. He's, he's so shocked by my lack of knowledge. So. We're back with the, the little mob boss baby. Santa's back with the mob. And everybody's happy. These, they're going to let him rejoin. Which, you know, maybe New Year slaps a, you know, the phrase slap a big fat wet kiss. <laughs> this is what they're talking about. He drools all over his beard, then has him hold his hands out to dip him with the bippy, which is dripping saliva as well, which is, uh, makes him say the phrase that, uh, may I roast like a chestnut on an open fire if I betray the family again. Which he immediately does. He takes him out for a nice surprise. He's got a tricycle for the baby New Year. I've always wondered, like this, and like Baby Herman and Who Friend Roger Rabbit, Stewie and Family Guy, the whole baby's boss baby, the baby with an adult mentality is really a bizarre trope that really, no matter how you write it, makes <laughs> zero sense. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Then you find out the whole time it's a trap! The reindeer bust out of the van. They all have candy cane guns and open fire on the mob. The the turkey is wielding a cranberry sauce gun, which I thought was pretty funny. That was awesome. Shooting cranberry sauce gun, which begs the question, what do you prefer? Canned cranberry sauce or homemade? 
Um, I generally eat the canned stuff. I've always I love the canned stuff. Uh, those to a fight where the Easter Bunny shoots a giant egg grenade, which was amazing as well. Which Beast Boy is now on the baby's side during this fight. I guess Santa is also double crossing him. I was confused on why. Like, I guess we kind of explained it in a moment. I was confused by why Beast Boy stuck around and didn't just let them fight it out. Well, I guess the it's like the double betrayal that that bothered Beast Boy. It was a crime. Which Santa says, when I eliminate you, I'll take over the mob in all holidays. <laughs> this is all been a secret plan by Santa Claus to take over every holiday. Which is pretty much already what Christmas does. I mean, not for nothing. How big is this guy's ego? He already has the most popular, most celebrated holiday of the year. He wants them all. He can't let George Washington have four presidents day. But... Right when that happens, the, the FBI shows up. They stop everything, save the day. It turns out Beast Boy was working undercover for the FBI the whole time. Again, it's a gag, but I don't understand how this works. So when he was kidnapped at the beginning by Santa, was he already working for the FBI? Or between there and his first meeting with Baby New Year, did he contact the FBI? I, I was expecting it to be like, he calls in the other Teen Titans, and they like they capture the mob and arrest them together, but... No, no, that's not what happened. And what part made me really laugh is they they round up all the uh, the Christmas mascots into I don't well you can't call it a paddy wagon anymore I don't know what the name a van where you put criminals and they kick the baby New Year in the ass as they put him into the back of the truck. Was that necessary? <laughs> I did like the visual gag of the the horror Easter bunny like bunny hopping into the truck. They literally have him by the diaper, drop him, and then dropkick his ass right into the van. He's a horrifying little baby. Beast Boy is pretty proud of himself, but we end the episode with Santa saying, Enjoy your holiday, Beast Boy. Next year, Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> and they close on his maniacal crazy eyes in the back of the van. And there you have Teen Titans Go, a holiday story. Well, first, before we get into our review, this is not quite your first impression, but a very early impression of Teen Titans Go. What do you think's going on here in this wacky cartoon? Um, I was baffled and slightly disturbed most of the way through. I have to say, I do like them. On the the five main Teen Titans, which we don't see much of except in the opening, the little like cartoony, really simplified art style works very well for them. It's like everyone looks very stylized and distinct. And then you have, like, just these weird characters. Like the little adult mobster baby and the freaky Easter bunny with the horrifying face. And it's like, why, is, why do they all look like that? Well, I gotta say, um, this is more the more recent episode. I, I Most of the stuff I'd seen was in the earlier stuff. It, uh, <laughs> a lot more meta writing and references going on here than I, I remember from my earlier exposure to Teen Titans Go. Usually the meta humor was always poking fun at the DC universe, but this seems to go all sorts of different directions. I do assume that this episode is payback for me making you watch uh, episode three of the Japanese show you didn't understand. <laughs> no, not really. I just thought Teen Titans Go, they always do a Christmas episode, so it lends itself perfectly. Plus, you, you, <laughs> I know you're not a child anymore, but I never... 
I'm never remembering what stuff is from your childhood, so I thought you might be in the age range that even as a teenager you might have watched this. Apparently not. I was wrong on that one, folks. <laughs> I guess I owe uh, my my audience and Laney Mistletoe a, a big apology. But before we discuss any further, we're going to go right into our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, spectrometers where we rank we just saw, zero spectros being garbage, four being absolute perfection. Delaney? Shouldn't it be like a, I don't know, holiday spirit-o-meter? <laughs> For this episode alone, we're going to make it our holiday spirit-meter. What are you going to rank? Teen Titans Go, a holiday story. Well, it's not a zero. It might be like a one. Like, about half the jokes were amusing. They landed. Um, like I said, this doesn't have a whole lot to do with the Teen Titans or comic books. It only has so much to do with holidays. Really, what gets to me is that, like I said, Beast Boy never uses his powers at all in this. None of the other Teen Titans characters show up. If you took him out and just plunked down any other cartoon protagonist, it's basically the same episode. That never occurred to me. I didn't even realize he never once used his powers the entire episode. I mean, you think a plot of Beast Boy and Santa teaming up, like, he would be the reindeer, or, or like, he knocks out the turkey and replaces him <laughs> to infiltrate the mob. Maybe turns into another Easter bunny or something. Well, let me go into this. Uh, wait, one, you said? That's your official ranking of one? Um, like I said, I don't want to give it a zero. There were at least some decent jokes. Um, I do like the, the animation style for the most part. It's like simple without like looking too simple that it's bad. The theme song is very catchy. And I do love the little sequence in the middle of the theme song where they're all just doing a goofy dance. <laughs> that, that part amused me. Well, last time I reviewed Teen Titans Go!, I reference that I realize, going into it, I'm not the target audience. But with some of the meta humor in this joke, I think I clearly I was getting jokes that, that you didn't even know what they were references to. So I'm not sure who the target audience is. Maybe they figure uh, kids who watched it have grown up now and whatnot. So I enjoy it. I think Teen Titans Go! is a fun show. It's goofy, wacky, which I liked. I, I think people, I think it's something that not cartoons, because there's a lot of wacky cartoons, but the superhero genre could use more of not taking themselves so serious and when they're doing stuff aimed more at children. I'm going to go uh, three. I, uh, I enjoyed it. My only complaints is uh, I picked a holiday episode that had none of the Teen Titans but Beast Boy on it. What did you say Like Beast Boy's voice actor was named? Like Greg, Greg Sipes? Greg Sipes, I believe is how you say it. He does a very good job with the character in, like, in this version, in every version. He has very good comedic delivery. You got these people, uh, <laughs> and he's been doing the characters <laughs> two thousand for almost twenty years now. Yeah, weird how the the character he's voiced for decades. He's pretty good at. What did you all think out there? What did you think of Teen Titans Go? A holiday story. You couldn't have liked it much less than uh, Delaney, <laughs> but you might have liked it more than I did. Well, not much because I gave it a three. But tell us what you think. Go to my social media and let me know. You could like it exactly one more than him or one less than me. And tell us uh, what you liked about it. Or maybe what Teen Titans Go! Christmas episode we should have done. 
You can find me at Twitter at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. Matt Spectro through the multiverse is my Facebook page. You can uh, give me your two cents and follow me while you're there as well. Well, th- thanks for uh, sitting down and uh, jingling the bells with me. This has been Lonnie Mistletoe, yo. You know, I'm trying to think of more uh, clever uh, Christmas puns, but I, I can't think of any right now. I want to thank you all for joining us. Hope you're having a good holiday season. And uh, that's just going to about do it for this week. But we are not done. Tune in again next week for more Matt Spectro through the Christmas verse. Happy holidays, and we'll see you all next week. I will roast you over an open fire if you ever betray us. And to all a good night.